Who do you think would win in a fight? Catwoman or Harley Quinn? I see you must have watched Batman Returns. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Because while I was watching, I was like, you know, she seems a lot more like Harley Quinn (laughs) than most iterations of Catwoman I've seen. (laughs) That's kind of what uh, what gave me the idea. (laughs) Well, because like Tim Burton would (laughs) would do a way better Harley Quinn than he would a Catwoman, at least for their normal personalities they generally have. Well, I mean, as our viewers have probably guessed, we're clearly covering a Harley Quinn theory today. Uh, uh, wait, what? <laughs> we're we're <laughs> oh, not covering we're not. anything that will be anywhere near as popular as a Harley Quinn movie? <laughs> what are we covering? <laughs> oh, we are covering the beloved film Catwoman with Halle Berry. The 2004 Catwoman movie directed by Pitoff, written by John Brancato. Teresa, Rob, and the great Michael Ferris, our good buddy. We had the chance to interview Michael Ferris, a screenwriter who's written, of course, many movies, uh, including Catwoman. <laughs> He's written, yeah, of course, many Terminator better 3, movies. Terminator 4. Um, <laughs> Terminator Salvation. The Net. The Game. And <laughs> the Game. The oh, that's a great movie. I love The Game. We had the chance to ask him some of the burning questions that everybody has always wanted <laughs> to know about the 2004 masterpiece Catwoman. Yeah, you'll be hearing some segments from that interview today as we talk about Catwoman. So uh, what do you think of the movie Catwoman? Is it a good movie? Oh, you know, (laughs) I think with time, it's not as bad as people remember. I completely agree. If you go into Catwoman now knowing it's it's sort of legacy, Mm -hmm. or either you're going to go into it knowing it's legacy or knowing nothing about it, possibly more likely the latter these days. But (laughs) uh, And if you do go into it thinking it's terrible, uh, you're probably going to be pleasantly surprised that it's not as terrible as you remember. (laughs) Right. And that's about all good I can say about it. (laughs) It's not as Catwoman tagline, it's not as terrible as you remember. And you have to remember that Catwoman came out during like the birth of the superhero genre as we know it today. It came out just right. amidst like the greatest Spider-Man movies ever made. And uh, I think people were starting to expect a little more from superhero movies. Yeah. And Catwoman and Elektra did not necessarily deliver what people were expecting. <laughs> anytime Harley Quinn comes up and cop anytime Harley Quinn, anytime Catwoman. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm going to say this so many times. Mr. Gilter's uh, alleged walk. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, it was exactly like that. <laughs> <laughs> I I said the same thing wrong, but corrected the minor mistake in the sentence. <laughs> Mr. Gilter's walk. Mr. Gilter's alleged <laughs> walk. Oh, that was amazing writing. That was that was top notch. Will and Grace doesn't get better than that, except for maybe uh, I think two guys together, together is hot. <laughs> I hope our listeners love our just random out of nowhere Will and Grace references. <laughs> Anytime Catwoman actually comes up in conversation, you know, as it often does, being the cultural, uh, the pinnacle of cultural (laughs) awareness that it is, 
can't count the number of times I've just randomly been like, hey, you remember that basketball scene? Wow. <laughs> well, that's the thing. Usually when it comes up, it's about the basketball scene. <laughs> that's what most people talk about. <laughs> we can't we can't drop the basketball scene at the very beginning. We got to work up to that. <laughs> but whenever it does come up, people are usually talking about the basketball scene. And then they will usually say that movie was terrible or that movie was awful or man. Oh, it killed Halle Berry's career. I got to say, looking at it now, you know, 20 years later, it's not that bad. It's not good, but it, I don't know. How mean do we want to be to this movie? Um, <laughs> Michael Ferris accepted the Razzie. <laughs> okay, good. It's not good, but it's not that bad. And honestly, Halle Berry's acting as Catwoman is actually totally acceptable. She's she's not a bad actor. I think with Patience Phillips, she clearly watched Michelle Pfeiffer's performance mm-hmm. in Batman Definitely. Returns. And did that. And she and did she it very did it well. well. I, I very much like Patience Phillips at the very beginning of this movie. Halle Berry's awkward performance is great. I love her outfit, not her Catwoman outfit, but her normal person outfit that she wears every single day. Yeah, well, day. every day. She never changes. <laughs> might this factor into a theory of yours? <laughs> it might. It might. We'll get to that. I think that her outfit was a little too much. This is not the best Catwoman outfit. Right. I just think it didn't really help the movie. It turned it into like just a fan service thing and right in a movie that's not very fan servicey in any other way (laughs) so it kind of gives the wrong impression of the film (laughs) and then i think the nail in the coffin is that this is a movie set in the batman universe and batman never even shows up or is mentioned michael ferris had something to say about that tim burton's films like acknowledge batman you know one of the mandates we had going in was that this was not going to be a universe with batman in it which is weird because we, I mean, we weren't the first writers by any means. And, and the problem coming in that late in the game is that anything you want to try, they've already tried. And, and yeah. it didn't work for one reason or another. And you go, well, maybe we could try it again and maybe we'll get it right this time. But they didn't, you know, they didn't want to have to keep going back to ideas mm-hmm. they feel failed. And one yeah. of them was having it in a universe that, you know, accommodates Batman. I mean, early drafts had, not that he was ever a character in it. But that they would acknowledge that there's this city of Gotham nearby where some yeah. guy running around wearing a funny cape. And, and they were funny gags. And I thought it was like it was kind of I would have liked to have preserved that. But they was very they, they were very definitive that Catwoman exists just in her own right, you know, on her own. Okay. interacting with anybody else in the <laughs> DC universe. You know, you know, it's just very unclear because of so many attempts in the past, like what. Catwoman was really about not really a supervillain. She's more or less a victim a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was, you know, I mean, it was just it, it, it was it was a little bit fuzzy headed, and I mean, I have to take some responsibility for that. We didn't we didn't find a way to clarify it, mm-hmm. and but you know, I mean, they really were, you know, clutching at straws at times to figure out how to wrap this whole thing up. And I just think that's interesting because, of course, in 2004, no one had figured out, hey, shared universes are cool. People like that. For whatever reason, at this time, they thought that if you made a movie, it had to be standalone. So if this is right. a Catwoman movie, try not to even mention Batman. Like, she needs to stand on her two legs. How weird. Thing. Because, like, don't they realize that... Yeah, just look at the comics. They had been around for, for well, decades. Yeah. And what do they think? <laughs> who do they think their audience is? Their audience is people who like Batman, right? Like, <laughs> nobody wants you to like see Catwoman, Catwoman except for Batman fans. I just don't get it. What, what are they doing? So about this movie and maybe why it was badly received, Michael Ferris had a few thoughts about that. So let's hear what he had to say. 
I mean, structurally, the movie is is pretty close to what we wrote, except that oddly, and I think it's mainly for budgetary reasons, all the action is gone. I mean, I mean, oh, yeah. Darren, I didn't really realize until we watched the the, the first cut uh, that it's an action movie with almost no action. I mean, we had scenes where like she's jumping from a bridge onto a burning boat and wrestling the bad guy with sheets of broken glass, you know, and, and well, like, and I, I mean, I don't think anyone hated it. They just, for some reason, couldn't shoot, couldn't afford it or something. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, there's not even like an exploding helicopter. I know we like blew up <laughs> at some point. I mean, it was like, you know, I mean, there's a couple of mano a mano bits of business, but it's just weird. Uh, it's just weird how all the action kind of disappeared. Pitoff is like a, he's a super stylish director. Well, they hired him on the basis of a movie made with Gerard Depardieu uh, in France. But I mean, again, with, with a relatively limited budget, he made stuff that looked like a million bucks, you know. Yeah. I mean, and also, frankly, none of our dialogue really survived. So, so now that I've told you that none of our action or our dialogue is like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what's left? <laughs> it was our draft that brought Halle Berry on board. So that's mm. what we wound up, you know, with screen credit. So for better or worse, I think the overall arc of the movie sort of is, reflects what we wrote. But I mean, it was, I, I don't know, like, like there were little bits of business that I really liked. Like at one point she's you know, trashing the factory and she's singing the old uh, Aretha Franklin song, you know, but she's changed the words to R-E-V-E-N-G-E, find out what it means. <laughs> you know, like, like, that's a funny gag. <laughs> that is, that's good. I don't think that made it into the movie. I didn't see it. I've heard many times that this is the movie that quote unquote killed Halle Berry's career. Do you buy that? What? Do you think this movie killed no. her career? It, I mean, I can see what people are saying since 2004. But I can see what people are saying. At that point, she was just coming off fresh from like X-Men, Swordfish, and now, you know, Catwoman, <laughs> her X-Men brand new didn't superhero. kill her career. Like, not <laughs> that X Men was a bad movie, but her performance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one actor's performance doesn't. Uh, if an actor's in a good movie, <laughs> they can give a bad performance and still have a good right, career. Right, but I know? would say, as much as I love Storm, the general <laughs> dude, character, dude. she is one of the worst parts of that movie. Well, I have something to ask you: <laughs> Who would win in a fight, a toad? Or lightning. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just, you know, I've never been sure what happens to a toad when it gets struck by lightning. If only someone, Dude. If only someone could answer that question for me. I'll tell you the same thing that happens to everything else. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> you mean they would just fly away into like the sunset at night in mm-hmm. the water and disappear? <laughs> Yeah, they just kind of fly off into the night. Dude, I've got another question for you. What would like an insane rage-fueled warlock toad announce as he goes to banish his enemies? <laughs> Dude, as he goes to take out all the X-Men single-handedly, at, he yeah, would say, at the same time. and it shall be forever dark. <laughs> oh, Toad was so cool. He didn't deserve to lose to, to Storm. Oh my gosh. Oh man, he took out all the X-Men. They brought a all whole of them team. at the same time. Magneto <laughs> literally only had Toad. Sabretooth was only there because he wanted to scream. <laughs> wow. and and take M- any scream. Mystique doesn't count. She was Wolverine during that fight. She was <laughs> on their true. side. Yeah. <laughs> oh man. What a, we should talk more about X-Men, dude. <laughs> Screw Catwoman. <laughs> hey Torvald, who do you think was the target audience for this film? 
Batman. Uh, well, no, not Batman fans because they don't connect it to Batman. <laughs> exactly. You know what? That's a really good question. Um, I guess like romance fans. I don't know. <laughs> well, according to Michael Ferris, maybe we'll hear from him here. No, I don't know. I mean, we. I mean, Catwoman was savaged everywhere. At the San Francisco Chronicle, and I think we we realized the target audience was uh, eleven-year-old girls and gay men. Wow, <laughs> that is who this movie was appealing to. Because it's oh so campy. <laughs> yeah, it's campy and silly and uh, not very action-packed. <laughs> and, and I mean, in those communities, the movie yeah. plays great guns. But uh, I can see it. Um, you know, my my, my my daughters liked it at the time. You know, so. yeah. That's good. Then it's a success. <laughs> so what is the theory for this movie? The persona of Catwoman is not just a single person. And in fact, this movie is in a shared universe. <laughs> Contrary to what you just said, <laughs> this is in a shared universe with the original um, Tim Burton Batman movies, uh, Batman and Batman Returns specifically. There are many Catwomen in the world, super powered women who have gained enhanced reflexes, possibly multiple lives, and also they were granted these powers by you know, an ancient cat god. <laughs> um, so every Catwoman we've ever seen, they all exist in the same universe, and they're just different Catwomen. <laughs> That's the theory here. There have been a lot of Catwomen. Oh, gosh, so many. Batman 66. That one had three Catwomen. <laughs> it had Julie Newmar, Lee Merriweather, and of course, the legendary Eartha Kitt. I can't think of anyone more perfect to play Catwoman. Oh my gosh, she's <laughs> you so said cool. perfect wrong. <laughs> more perfect. More perfect to play Catwoman. <laughs> she's so cool, dude. There is a the making of documentary for um the Catwoman movie, uh the Halle Berry Catwoman movie. It was hosted by Eartha Kitt. It was so good. <laughs> I loved it. Oh my gosh, it's probably so... better than the movie itself. It was. It was so good. <laughs> Dude, but is is not Anne Hathaway like the worst Catwoman who ever existed? <laughs> Dude, I'm so surprised. I had no idea Anne Hathaway was ever Catwoman. Yeah, it's crazy. You just forget about her. <laughs> well, I didn't even know because I walked out of that movie. Good. That's a good choice. I know. It was like the best choice I've ever made in my entire life, and I've never regretted it once. I consider Dark Knight Rises to be the worst movie ever made. <laughs> Some people it's seem horrible. to like it and defend it, so I don't know. I will defend the character of Bane in that movie because he is ridiculous. <laughs> he is absolutely ridiculous. And the fact the that only, that character made it onto the reason that character is good is because they put him in the Harley Quinn up. show. And that's well, the that Bane they used. And Harley Quinn, he reveals a poster that just has two face on it and says two faces. And he's like, this is a poster of both of us, Bane. And Bane's like, this is not a picture of both of us. I'm not on the poster. He's like, no, it's two faces, yours and mine. He's like, but but I'm not on the poster. I see you. I see on this side there is darkness and that is where I was born, but it is not me. <laughs> <laughs> oh that's so good but yeah that that's that's part one of the theory i think you had another theory in here you might want to you might want to let our viewers know about patience phillips in this movie actually does have split personalities and she is suicidal and there's a lot of evidence to support that she's actually crazy oh, which okay. also would connect to the tim burton batman universe yeah yeah without the need for a well. cat god <laughs> 
The first bit of evidence I would put forth for this theory is that her name is not Catwoman's name. Her name is not Selena Kyle. Right, she's not <laughs> Selena Kyle. And why would Kyle. they do that? <laughs> her name, like you said, is Patience Phillips. And Catwoman has never been named Patience Phillips before. So this is clearly already a different and person. never would be named Patience Phillips no, again. No, never again. <laughs> no one's ever going to use that name. That's a cursed name now. <laughs> I, no matter what Michael Ferris said to us, clearly someone involved in the making of this movie wanted it to at least be able to fit into Tim Burton's universe. And I think yeah. that there's good evidence for that. When you look at like Joel Schumacher's Batman, Batman Forever, um, like that one obviously had all different actors, but it really tried uh, mostly Alfred, different actors. excuse me? Right. No, no, sorry. I was about to say that. It got lots of different actors, but it tried to sort of fit into the same universe, even though it was also its own thing. And I think that uh, Catwoman is is trying to do the same thing. Like they weren't, they didn't want to step on the Tim Burton thing. Like you can imagine it's there if you want, even if they weren't really addressing it. Did did Michael Ferris like brush us off? Was he just like, no, we never imagined there being multiple Catwomen. Did, did he say something? <laughs> yes, like that? yes, he did. Why? Yes. What? He's wrong. So, (laughs) no, there's evidence that the cast and crew all understood this and accepted it. Halle Berry, in an interview, she says, and I quote, our movie sort of presents this version of Catwoman as just one of many. Uh, She doesn't take the place of Selina Kyle or the great character that Eartha Kitt created many years ago. She's just another one, another Catwoman, which totally confirms it. And the movie starts out by establishing this by showing a bunch of like newspaper clippings and like ancient carvings of other Catwomen, right? Like it shows Egyptian Catwomen and then it shows newspapers with like family rescued by masked woman in black. And it shows a picture of a Catwoman and masked jewel thief at it again. And there's a Catwoman. I believe that most of the people involved in this movie, like you said, even the cast and crew, were fully aware of Tim Burton's Batman films, probably liked them and wanted it to be part of the universe the same universe generally the executives in charge who are the ones advising the writer are gonna say no don't put anything in there and i think it's probably just a rights issue i think they didn't want to pay tim burton anything like because he kind of created the look and the characters and so i think officially their answer was no nowadays when they sign the deal with the writer or director whatever they would like make it so they own it it, and they can continue to use it kind of thing one of the first things i said to michael ferris was just i like the moment where Detective Tom Lone, which like he really is a beefcake with a name like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think I think um, Halle Berry, Patience Phillips' best friend, calls him a beefcake. Patience Phillips' best friend, who of course is played by Mrs. Ungermeyer from Yay, the Lucy McGuire Detective Tom Lone, when he first meets Patience Phillips, she is going out onto her window to save a cat. So this moment I actually think is very good and I think it's well written. And not only does it establish Halle Berry's character very well, that she's strange, but she's nice. She's going to save the cat. Save the cat is screenwriter lingo, like screenwriter slang uh, for making your character likable near the beginning by having them do something that is likable. They literally have her save the cat. (laughs) The most cliche one is having them save the cat. The other one is called kick the dog. And that's what you have your villain do. You have him kick a dog. Don't kick the dog. (laughs) No, but it, it works. And I like actually, I think that this scene establishes really good chemistry between the two love interests. Yeah. How he's like, oh no, she's going to kill herself. And she's just trying to save a cat and he's really worried about her. I just think it's a fun, interesting scene. This part actually feeds into my theory that she's suicidal um, because he thinks she's going to commit suicide. In her mind, she's saving a cat. He never sees the cat outside the house. Possibly. There's no cat there. 
He sees it in her house, and she's like, look, look, it's right she there. She probably and owns like, a cat. Yeah, okay, sure. <laughs> no, she's going out, and she might be having suicidal tendencies, but because she's schizophrenic, she believes maybe there's a cat out there. So that's, that's one point for that theory. Um, yeah. Also, at this point in the movie maybe it's a little later, is when we see that she does not change her clothes, ever. She wears the same outfit every day. Yeah, even after crawling around on that disgusting balcony, she just (laughs) rushes off to work. If the cat is real, then it was trying to kill her, right? (laughs) Right, or it's uh, just a cat. (laughs) I mean, it's a sentient cat, as we find out later. It knows what it's doing. It's trying to kill her. It wants to breathe in her mouth and turn her into a cat Yeah, I think you're, you're right. This movie gets a lot of flack for the uh, cinematography, and I think that Pitoff possibly deserves that flack, but he was trying for something very deliberate with the cinematography of this movie. This movie is like constantly ping-pong-balling back and forth between super slow like time lapses and super fast like crazy cuts. It's like the movie is on like crack or catnip. (laughs) I think it's supposed to represent her different personalities or states of mind. Or just like a cat. A cat might be sunbathing and then all of a sudden it gets up and runs away. (laughs) Oh, you're right. (laughs) And I think think that this is what led to the the basketball scene. (laughs) Um. So let's talk about the basketball scene. So the basketball scene is infamous. We've mentioned it already. I counted it last night. It's over a hundred cuts, like a hundred shots in that basketball (laughs) sequence. It's pretty good. Michael Ferris had this to say. We were writers number 15 and 17, as I recall, out of like the 20 that worked on this. I mean, when we were off the project, they brought in somebody else and then then they were still sort of like struggling. And they said, well, have you got anything else for us? And we came up with the idea of the basketball scene. We got rehired. (laughs) <laughs> on the basis of that. Wow. <laughs> like they have a sexy one-on-one basketball scene. That might work. This makes the basketball scene so much better, I think. They got rehired because they suggested the basketball scene. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh, uh, That's what got the producer uh, to be like, yes, that fixed the movie. It just wasn't working out. But the basketball scene ties it all together. <laughs> Whoa. Well, I mean... Um, you know, that sounds like exactly what some stupid executive Hollywood producer would do. Be like, yeah, we need more sex. We need them playing basketball and shaking their butts in front of kids. And <laughs> Bet lots we of could cuts. get a shot of Halle Berry's butt just like shaking around. Then really quickly cut back to Tom Lone just being like, whoa. Like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. It's, it's horrible. As much as I enjoy the cinematography of this movie with all the cuts, that scene is incredibly awful. That's an impressive uh, amount of cuts. (laughs) It's impressively bad basketball playing. Like, neither of them can clearly even handle a basketball at all. (laughs) This does happen. There's a doctor who is describing to the executives all the horrible side effects of their skincare products. She happens to observe this doctor telling about all the horrible things that the product does. And uh, they chase her and kill her, basically. So you might say that sliding around in the waste treatment pipes and absorbing all of the horrible chemicals from the face cream gave her her powers. No, that would turn you clearly turn you into a penguin. Uh, Right. Yes. (laughs) So I was going to say, if that is what had done it, then she would be a penguin. 
She gets uh, flushed out, dumped off a gigantic cliff into the ocean and ends up on a rock island. A CGI cat walks up on her chest and meows for its friends and then they all gather around and then it breathes smoke into her mouth and then her eyes turn into cat eyes and she wakes up with superpowers. Um, so now she can see everything, she can hear everything, she has like telescope eyes the birds flying like miles away look like they're in her face, <laughs> which would be really helpful. Selena Kyle in Batman Returns dies in a somewhat similar way. She falls like 30 stories and dies. And then a bunch of cats show up and one cat walks up onto her chest and breathes in her mouth. And she has a twitchy psychedelic experience and comes back to life. Basically, the exact same experience that uh, Patience has in Catwoman. Batman Returns doesn't make any sense if she wasn't brought to life by some cat god. Well, How I did mean, she survive that? I personally feel like Tim Burton's actual, like his actual intention here was that she survived just as a freak coincidence. Like, like she just happened to survive with intense brain damage. And that's why after this point, she is extremely violent and depressed and weird yeah. and always has a bandaid on her head. <laughs> like I, yeah. <laughs> she clearly yeah, her, her went insane because out. she had head trauma. <laughs> so I don't disagree with that. I, I clearly, and, yes, and what she does she do? Trauma. Like I actually really, I, 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 I had never seen Batman returns until today. I'd seen the ending, but never the whole thing. And it is a yeah. very good movie. Like I like it. Ooh, um, it's great. But, she goes home. She guzzles like an entire carton of milk. <laughs> she lets all the cats in and then she destroys her apartment. <laughs> she shoves all her stuffed animals down the garbage disposal, paints black spray paint everywhere. Um, she puts on black latex. And then the best part is she changes her neon sign from hello there to hell here <laughs> by knocking out the O and the T. <laughs> it's really <Right>. good. <laughs> like you look at the clues, it makes sense that she would go crazy like this because she was already pretty stressed out anyway. Just before this, she was saved from a bad guy by Batman. And then Batman wouldn't talk to her and walked away. Then she's attacked by another bad guy. Batman doesn't show up to save her. And she wakes up with Batman on her mind, but also seeing cats. So what does she do? She's like, well, Batman didn't save me. I'm going to save myself. I'm going to make a costume and I'm going to be Catwoman, just like Batman, <laughs> you know, because I saw cats. Her transformation into Catwoman is exactly like... Halle Berry's transformation to Catwoman. Patience goes home, starts cutting her hair, you know, giving herself an awful haircut. She puts together a black leather outfit just like Michelle Pfeiffer did and then goes away to basically rob a jewelry store. Yeah, she comes home, she drinks milk. Uh, you know, Tim Burton's Halle Berry was... Or, <laughs> Tim Burton's Catwoman <laughs> wasn't as obsessed with, like, stealing. Like, I don't yeah. think she does any stealing, really. She's more obsessed with, like, revenge. She does go to a store, but she's not like robbing it. <laughs> and it's just like a mall. And she just wants to like break mannequins with her whip and jump rope. <laughs> That's all she's uh -huh. doing. <laughs> right. Which is another reason why she seems so much more like Harley Quinn. Like, which is why I love so much about Michelle Pfeiffer's Catwoman is that she's so like, you just want Catwoman more... to be Harley Quinn. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, but she's more of a typical Batman villain. Like normally yeah. when Catwoman shows up in, this is the only movie where Catwoman is a villain. Yeah, All the other movies she of. shows up in, she's sort of an anti-hero. You know, she ends up helping Batman. And this one, she's just a straight up villain. What and about she's got the a typical 1960s Batman. Batman movie? She was a villain. Right. Well, except that one. that one. Sorry. Yeah. 
it just makes her more consistent. Because obviously, I think the most interesting thing about the Batman universe is that most, if not all, of his villains are insane. And the cool thing is that Batman is also insane, but he just uses his insanity for good where they use it for evil. And that's why I don't like any of the Batman Batman arcs that have to do with like the gangsters who aren't insane. Cause I just, yeah, I know. It's so terrible. I don't care about Falcone, you know, just doesn't. um, Do you care about Shrek? (laughs) No. Well, I mean, it's fine. It's fine when they're around. Like, he's around for a reason, you know? Um, But he's not the main bad guy. Like, Batman never fights him. By the way, there is a character in this movie, just to make this clear, who is named Shrek, and he is not a green ogre. (laughs) He is Christopher Walken. sorry, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just in case you're picturing Shrek. (laughs) If you haven't seen this movie, it might be confusing. Um, Somebody once told me the world. Who came up with the idea to have Penguin... Like, the disgusting, weird Danny DeVito penguin be apparently so unbelievably charismatic and lovable that he could win over the city and become mayor. (laughs) And also, (laughs) at his side, Christopher Walken, the world's most, like, deadpan, monotone actor who has ever lived. (laughs) Like, the man who no one would see as, like, charismatic and lovable. Like, when he's begging him not to kill his son at the end, he's like, no. Take me instead. Don't kill Leave my, my son. son. <laughs> Leave him. I cannot express how much I love Christopher Walken. He is he's a national treasure. Are we just going to talk about Batman Returns now? Well, no, I'm just like, who came up with the plot? What an insane no, well, so plot. I had, I had notes about that, which is that like of the two plots in this film, first of all, Batman doesn't even have one. He's got no plot Mm-mm. in this film. He's it's just, just Penguin and Catwoman. And, and Catwoman's plot, I feel like, is way more relatable like she's really stressed and she just goes crazy and wants revenge and her plan feels like like it makes a little more sense too she just wants to kill shrek whereas Penguin, i don't even insane. know what his plan is it's he was born crazy. a freak in, dumped into a freezing sewer drain and raised by sewer penguins sewer <laughs> penguins <laughs> what are That's sewer penguins <laughs> why do they exist and how, how can he even talk how did he survive did the penguins teach him to talk and also why does he employ so many clowns? I was so confused. Oh, Are they leftovers from Joker's so, gang? Right. Well, so Tim Burton apparently just thought Joker and Penguin are the same guy. Because why would <laughs> Penguin have an army of freaky clown people? <laughs> Doesn't make any I sense. I don't get it. It's interesting to me that as far as I know, and I'm not an expert by any means, but as far as I know, this is the only personification of the Penguin who is like an actual Penguin man. I think (laughs) usually he's just kind of like a a fat rich man. This man is a penguin man who was raised by penguins and acts like a penguin. I don't think Tim Burton knew anything about penguin. (laughs) He thought he was Joker as a penguin. penguin. He is a penguin man who is the Joker, yes. (laughs) (laughs) So I realized near the end of the movie, the reason there are penguins in the sewer and the reason that penguin has a lair in the sewer is because there was an ancient sewer located theme park called arctic world down there i don't know why but apparently arctic world <laughs> right it, it's was in the very movie. cold it shows you and it. <laughs> full of penguins i don't know why 
I mean, why is a good question for this whole movie. Like you said, why do people find the penguin likable? Why does Shrek think that he's a good candidate for yeah, mayor? I know. Of all like the there are many iterations of penguin where this might make sense, but not this one. This is the <laughs> weirdest, grossest penguin. He oh has my green, gosh, he's blue so blooded. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, Penguin is so gross in this movie. <laughs> Dude, but I have to say, when the consultant walks up to him and he's like, hey, uh, not many reflective surfaces in the sewer, eh? And then Penguin's like, hey, could be worse. At least my nose isn't gushing blood. And then everyone laughs until he bites that man's nose off. Dude, now that is a joke. <laughs> Eat your heart out, Joker. Whoa. The Penguin is a better <laughs> Joker than you ever were. <laughs> So, back to Catwoman. Right, we can't, right, we yeah, can't. Yeah. After becoming Catwoman, getting her powers, Patience manages to grab the kitty that brought her back to life. She finds out it's owned by a woman named Ophelia Powers. Ophelia explains, You're not alone, child. He has saved others before you. Look! And then she shows her a ton of pictures of other different Catwomen. And these pictures include a photo of Michelle Pfeiffer dressed as Catwoman, from Batman Returns. Right. So Yes, uh, that's the biggest that's, uh, connection there. Why would they have included that? It's, <laughs> that just says they're Easter in the same egg, But yeah. But Ophelia Powers does continue to explain. She says, Cat women are not contained by the rules of society. You follow your own desires. It's a blessing and a curse. You'll often be alone and misunderstood, but you'll experience a freedom other women will never know. You are a cat woman. I mean, you might say this is just like bad exposition and her explaining everything. But really what it's doing is telling us that there are other cat women. Or, or this could be Patience Phillips, who is a crazy cat lady talking to her therapist, who's like trying oh. to be like, you're a cat woman, you got some issues, but you're so powerful. Oh, no. And she interprets it to be like, she's I like, have superpowers, I don't fit in with society. When she's oh. trying to say, you have trouble fitting in with society because you've got these mental issues and we're going to work on them because you're strong. <laughs> wow. <laughs> By the way, sorry, I think I've glossed over the part where she loses her job, uh, where she gets fired, because she does kind of like snap at her boss and get an alternate personality for a second and then come back to reality and apologize. Right. Yeah. She clearly has split personalities there. She has mood swings, uses kind of different voices. So there's evidence that there's multiple cat women in Batman Returns. The Penguin, in one of his campaign speeches, he announces that Gotham was ravaged by a disease that turned Boy Scouts into crazed clowns. He's talking about the Joker from the first Batman movie. <laughs> and happy homemakers into Catwomen. Now, nobody knows about Catwoman yet. He <laughs> yeah. only barely saw her once. <laughs> and uh, this was just during a confrontation with her and Batman. But he is not talking about a single Catwoman. He's talking about Catwomen. So apparently what he's saying is she is not the first Catwoman. There are others and the city knows about them and is worried about them. <laughs> and huh. they need a mayor who will help deal with the Catwoman infestation. <laughs> so He also seems saying. to have some misconceptions, though, because just the fact that you say he says happy homemakers. And he does seem to have assumed that that's what Catwoman is. Because he seems to think she's going to come in bringing him drinks and slippers. Yes, he does like some think kind that's of happy homemaker. <laughs> so he's, he's, he's making some weirdo. odd assumptions here. <laughs> this scene where he meets Catwoman is evidence of her having undergone a supernatural transformation. You know, she died falling like 30 stories and then turned into Catwoman. And then she dies fighting Batman because he like just punches her off like a 10 story building and she falls into a truck full of kitty litter. 
which is rocks. <laughs> it wouldn't yeah. have been soft. It's not soft. It's like, have you ever so, fallen into sand? On gravel? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, you might be able to dig in sand, but you fall on it. It really hurts. <laughs> it's rocks. It's solid. And uh, she survives that just fine. She's totally okay after that. And I gotta say, Batman threw napalm at her. Holy war crime, Batman. <laughs> oh my gosh. Jeez. Like when he first took out that capsule, I was like, oh, what kind of kooky Batman gadget is this? Like a anti fall off the roof capsule. But no, it was napalm. He just napalmed her. I was like, well, that's not kooky. That's bad. Batman, except at the very end of this movie, is totally okay with killing people in this movie. Yeah. He lights he some dude on it. fire on purpose with his Batmobile, and then he blows up another guy on purpose. <laughs> this man walks up to Batman and says, go ahead and hit me. And then Batman punches him and he says, hey, 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 hey. and then he realized that Batman just jammed a bomb into his stomach, like punctured <laughs> his stomach with a bomb. And then Batman, you know, just kind of pushes the man away and he explodes. I just I have a little mini theory about Batman Returns, just that at the very end, he will not let Catwoman kill Shrek, even though Shrek is like, yeah, I much to do it. Deserves I'm the killer. It, and Shrek has a gun. <laughs> so it's not yeah, like, know. it's you know, unjustified. But I think that Batman, he doesn't want to kill humans, but because he is a rich person, he only sees other rich people as human. Wow. <laughs> so, He's so like, Shrek don't kill is on his level. Don't kill him. As me. He goes to jail. He's high society. <laughs> oh, He's from no. the same group, same circle Batman, as I am. <laughs> I mean, he basically is waging a class war. Like the people who he hurts are generally just poor people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love at the end how when he wants to reveal his identity to Catwoman, who already knows his identity... He just rips off his cowl. Like he just rips destroys it. Off, it. Just breaks it. <laughs> like, <laughs> I thought he could remove it without destroying it, but apparently no, not. No, I think he has to make a new one every single time. He has tons, though. He does see certainly that. have a lot of them. <laughs> you see, he does. He only has single-use Batman costumes. <laughs> mm-hmm. Each one is like a disposable costume, <laughs> which makes sense because they get all ripped off, right? Like, yeah, why shot. use one more than once? <laughs> We got to talk more about Catwoman, 2004. So she decides to uh, track her stripper. <laughs> oh, my God. She decides to track her killer to a strip club. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, did you want to say anything about what she does at this strip club? Oh, yeah. Well, one of my favorite things and just the way that I know this movie knows it was being silly. It was never trying to be serious. It's it's. Its target audience was 11-year-old girls and gay men, was that I love the joke where she walks in and she just goes up to the bartender and she says, I want a white Russian, no ice, no vodka, no Kahlua. And the bartender hands it to her saying, straight up, and it's just milk. And she just <laughs> drinks milk it. Milk is so good. <laughs> she just came in and ordered milk, like a total badass. A You're drinking really milk at a line. nightclub, lady. <laughs> um, the fact that the bartender just without batting an eye and so coolly handed it to her is great. It's so <laughs> straight up. It's a very good straight-faced, you know, gag that they pull right there. I love it. <laughs> Her boyfriend, the cop, he managed to get like a copy of her writing and a copy of Catwoman's writing, and he's having a forensic analyst uh, examine them. And I love how right after, directly after this analyst says, oh, well, I, I can't tell. This is not an exact science. 
He then goes on to say with certainty that Catwoman's handwriting went from a lonely, people-pleasing person to a self-confident and angry person who doesn't like to play by the rules, which sounds very much like it <laughs> oh. is an exact science because he knows everything about her now. <laughs> well, and it supports that her personality changes on a dime and he even says the handwriting indicates that there are different personalities. Although I don't think that's necessarily a good way to determine someone's mental state, but... No, <laughs> this guy is an unqualified hack. There's actually lots of that in uh, forensic analysis, which is sad. Bite mark, like teeth matching, is absolute pseudoscience. Blood spray analysis, absolute pseudoscience. That's what Dexter does. <laughs> I know, and it's complete bullcrap. They've both been completely disproven. You, you can't tell anything from a spray of blood and you can't tell anything from a bite mark it's it's impossible and uh, they're both totally admissible in court and still used today which is just absolutely stupid handwriting analysis is right up there you cannot tell someone's personality from their handwriting so i think that the ending fight scene is actually a really cool matchup just because i think it's basically catwoman versus colossus which is a cool fight i mean she's fighting a woman who's like made of stone <laughs> apparently because that's what this makeup does to you i think both you and i had kind of a mandela effect thing well yeah <laughs> the ending of this fight is so weird because i remember i we saw it in fight, theaters mm -hmm, and as they fight catwoman keeps like scratching and punching this woman and her face starts to crack because she's made of like stone. That's what the makeup did. To right. Her. The makeup turns you into stone. That's why she has superpower. Her skin is mm -hmm. like stone. In the course of this fight, the CEO woman ends up hanging out the window. Catwoman's going to help her back up, but then she sees her reflection in her cracked, gross face in the window and decides that death would be better than looking hideous. So she just lets herself fall and dies. And then, of course, because she is made of stone, when she hits the ground, yeah. she breaks. She, she shatters into like, like a shatter of, of rocks. Yes, <laughs> that's what happened. Yeah. That's or what, how it? I remember it. But <laughs> no, that's exactly not what I happens. It. I just, nope. It's such a strange Mandela effect. She doesn't break at the end of this movie. No. She's just dead. She's just laying there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they even show the close-up of her face. Her face is cracked, just like we saw it during the fight, but she's not exploded everywhere. Yeah, listeners, Torvald and I both remember the movie happening this way. The villain cracks into a thousand pieces at the end when she hits the ground. And I guess I can only assume our minds made that up because it would make sense, <laughs> but it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. So if you listeners remember this movie ending with the villain cracking into a thousand pieces when she falls on the ground, when she hits let the us floor. know. Talk to us on, or yeah, well, on the floor. Let us know. Talk to us on Twitter. Um, because I'd like to know if anyone else remembers that because it was crazy to me when I got to the end of this movie. And, yeah, and one of the happen. scenes I remembered most and liked the most from this movie, like the yeah. coolest shot was the main villain cracking into lots of different yeah, places. It I doesn't happen. It My brain just, just made it up. <laughs> the best part of the movie. <laughs> well, and we both made it up like individually. Like <laughs> we both we've never it. discussed we this movie before it. now, you and I. <laughs> like we uh -huh. have no reason to. We don't even like this movie. Pretty cool. Great ending. And then Catwoman, instead of getting together with the policeman, she just walks away towards the moon. Where is she going? My theory is that she did finally commit suicide because at the end, she leaves a note for her loved ones and then disappears. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> yes. I don't know how does. else to interpret that. <laughs> yeah. With all the other evidence where she's climbing on the building, we have a handwriting expert saying she has split personalities. She's got these weird mood swings. Yeah, that fits. I asked Michael Ferris about that theory, and, and here's what he said. <laughs> I, I like that. I, I don't think I, I think I don't got anything for you there. <laughs> yeah. I'd be willing to buy that. You know, I mean, I, I'd, I'd be willing to buy that all superhero supervillains are just basically, <laughs> they almost all fit that profile. So. so Michael Ferris talked to us about accepting the Razzie Award, and here's what he had to say. Anytime you're involved in a project where they bring in a, like a shit ton of other writers, you're probably going to wind up with a sole credit because they're just going to divide the pie up so much. Mm-hmm. And that, that's why we have sole credit on Catwoman. I, I don't know why. <laughs> I, I always mention Catwoman. It's a, uh, <laughs> the credit I should be trying to, to bury. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I actually went and accepted my golden raspberry for that. I've yeah. heard that. <laughs> Uh, and then my original thought was to read off the list of the 27 other writers who've been. <laughs> I would like great. to thank. And I decided at least a few of these people will never forgive me if I do that. So. <laughs> oh, that would have been fun. <laughs> Halle Berry famously or infamously did go and accept her award and oh, apologized yeah. for being in Catwoman. Go <laughs> oh, Halle Berry. I mean, you know, I gotta, you gotta give respect to Halle Berry and Michael Ferris for actually attending the Razzies and accepting the award. Good on them, you know? I think it's great that they can have a good sense of humor. And, you know, it's a, a humble thing to do. Yes. Well, well, I think that's it. I think we said all we have to say. Uh, what do you think about the theory that Patience Phillips was just a crazy person? Yeah, well, so if we look at this movie as if it was a movie that does not have any magic in it, then yes, she's just a crazy person, right? Like, if there's no magic, then no, she did not become a superpowered Catwoman, and yes, she is insane. Now, was she actually suicidal, and did she have multiple personalities? Well, yeah, there's a lot of evidence for that. She was suicidal. She went out on the ledge and kept (laughs) snapping in between her timid patience personality and her um, gruff, commanding Catwoman personality. How about the other theory? What do you think? Are there multiple Catwomen and are they all imbued with the powers of an ancient Egyptian cat god? I mean, according to Catwoman, yes, that's what exactly it what has they to say. be. Yes. Obviously, it was designed to fit in with Batman Returns. And despite mm-hmm. what people involved may say, it clearly they they have Michelle Pfeiffer's face. You can't argue that. She's one of the Catwomen. Yeah, they who put is her in the movie. She's there. <laughs> Did the villain of Catwoman 2004 break into a thousand pieces in the original end of this movie as it was shown in theaters? I mean, you know what I think, but this is something that only our listeners can answer. Um, Does anyone else remember? Did Did anyone else see that in theaters? I legitimately want to know. I'm surprised we did. (laughs) Dude, it was the new Catwoman movie. Of course we saw it in theaters. Oh, we were so We were the target audience. Catwoman. Pretty much, yeah. I mean... (laughs) Um, write to us on at popcorn isn't real and let us know if you like this episode make sure you leave a review rate subscribe um, let your friends know tell everybody you can also find us on youtube music for this episode was provided by christine play us out michael ferris and remember the popcorn, popcorn isn't, isn't real, real.